0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the passage that Jeff read. I'm going to refer to it, I'm not going to read it again, but I'd start by asking you, how do you know Jesus? Who is your Jesus? Is your Jesus um, a teacher? Is your Jesus a moral leader? Is your Jesus, you know, a dude in like sandals and long hair? I mean, that you immediately think of? and that we see pictures of and we we're taught in Sunday school that yes Jesus is God but you know we just think and our minds go back to yeah this is this is how Jesus is this is what he looks like or is he lord of your life the reason i ask this is cuz i think that often we are like the disciples or at least peter james and john because they sat at jesus feet they knew him they were both friends. He was their mentor and teacher. They were learning. They were being discipled. But at this moment, I mean, Jesus is just totally changed. Jesus is, is light and white and blinding. And the voice of God says, this is my son. Listen to him. And then Jesus said, don't tell him by this until I am raised from the dead. As in like I die and then come back to life. And we so often, with our problems in the world... ...and our challenges and stuff we deal with... ...we say, man, okay, I know Jesus and I believe in Him... ...but we think back and we do this. I do this, I've done this, I know you do this. We think back to this Jesus as the teacher and the leader... ...and yeah, yeah, He's Son of God and all that... ...but we think, and we don't think of Him, we don't see Him... ...as Lord, as Son of God, as Son of Man... We don't think of him as king of the universe, much less our lives. We don't think of him as Lord over all. He, I mean, this passage, it says it clearly. God says, This is my son. Listen to him. It says, Jesus is the son of man. Son of man, I want to refer to a passage in Daniel, Daniel 7. You don't have to go to it, but Daniel 7, read it. Tonight or tomorrow, if you have time, Daniel 7, verse 13, it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and power of all peoples, nations, men of every language, worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Do we think of Jesus as that Jesus? Oftentimes, we don't. We have our problems, we have our challenges. And we're like, man, please, Jesus, here's here's what I got on my plate. Please help me, help me, and and, and please do this. And if you can't, please just do it, because I, I believe you can, I believe you can. And we don't pray to Him like, you are the Lord of the universe. You are the Christ, the Son of God. You are sitting at the right hand of the Father. Stephen, when he was stoned, Acts 7, he says, I see the Son of Man, I see Jesus. He's sitting at the right hand of God. Revelation 1, John is saying, I see the Son of Man, Jesus. He is Lord. And when we think of him like that, and I want you to get this, and man, really get this. When we think of him like that, man, it's not like just a a Jesus as as a person. It's Jesus Lord, and we want to just bow down before him. And they say, no, I don't know if I want to get on my knee. No, we should. We should. We should. Look, I don't do it all the time. I'm just saying that if that's who he is and that is who he is, we need to kneel before him because one day we will. One day we will. And I want us to kneel before him to be with him forever. That's who Jesus is. He is Lord. What I want, what I'm pushing for in my own life, constantly, what I'm pushing for in our church is to know Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior. So last week, this week, weeks to come, we're talking about what is a bellwether. And it's pure and simple. Bellwether is Jesus because any church, any local church should be Jesus because Scripture says Jesus is the body of ...of Christ as the church. We are a church. So if a church is being Jesus' church... ...then we're being Jesus. And you come to church and you see Jesus... ...and you come to church and you feel Jesus... ...and you come to church, you experience Jesus. You come to church, you get to know Jesus. You come to church, you learn more about Jesus. You come to church, you know how to live Jesus. It's his church. And if a church isn't doing that, it's not Jesus' church. Amen. we want to be... ...I want to be desperately Jesus' church. So when I say we're rebooting Bellwether... And I hope you're seeing, we're really like rebooting Bellwether, restarting this baby. It's just bottom line Jesus. And let's know him as Lord. And so then if we know him as Lord, so how does that play out in our life? Well, he's like, he's CEO. like Organizational chart of Bellwether, he's on top. It's not about me, it's not the pastor, it's Jesus. Same for a church, same for your life. Your life, not your own. If he's Lord, Jesus is the top of the org chart. Jesus CEO. He's head. He's ruler. Not just the universe, your life. How does that, like, though, manifest itself? I mean, how does that, how do we act if Jesus is Lord? How do we act to the church if Jesus is Lord? We uh, we have these sermon notes again. I don't know if I have any up here. Anyway, oh yeah, I got some. I picked some up. Sermon notes, you can use these if you want to. You don't have to, but they have some scripture. They have... um, Some thoughts that you can write. So if you've got a pen, hope you'll write this out. How does it manifest out? How does it play out if Jesus is Lord of this church? How does it play out for our lives? First thing is, see these blanks. It says, we blank all blank. Well, we honor all people. We honor all people. The passage that was read... On the transfiguration. Jesus was transfigured. All of a sudden there was Moses, there was Elijah. God had chosen his people Israel. Moses as a leader, Elijah as a prophet. They were the chosen people. But then Jesus comes and it is for all people to have salvation through him. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture. It's written on the card. It's 1 Timothy 2, 3-6. It says, God our Savior... Who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. So again, God our Savior who wants all men and women to be saved. And it goes further, not to be saved, to come to a knowledge of truth. What is truth? Jesus saves. What is truth? Jesus is Lord. And he wants us to come to a knowledge of truth. And my hope, my desire, my prayer... ...is that so many of people I know... ...people are here would come to the knowledge of truth... ...that nothing else saves except for Jesus. Nothing else saves. A knowledge of that truth. And it says that he was offered up as a ransom... Y'all know what a ransom means? Is like somebody's held hostage. We're hostage in sin. Someone says, "Okay, I'm gonna give the ransom money." And Jesus says, "Hey, I am gonna be the ransom for all of us who are held hostage by sin." I love this passage. I think this passage is the gospel. God wants all to be saved. Some reject Him. Jesus offered Himself as, "Man, I'll, I'll take it. I'll be the ransom. Set them free. We're free in Christ." That's salvation. That's who he is as Lord. That's the knowledge of truth. Do we know it? I hope you do. I know some of you don't. I know many don't. So how does that play out? We honor all people. That means every one of you who walked through these doors... ...we want to give honor to. Everyone who has not walked through these doors that will... ...we want to give honor to all people... So that plays out. Like, you know, we say we do hospitality and, you know, we have a hospitality team and we want to greet people and welcome people. And Jeff talked about the black tent and the blue tent. The reason is, is that we believe God wants all people saved and we want all people saved. So there is this quality about everybody. There's this redeeming quality. God is saying, man, I want you to be saved. I want you to know truth. I want you to have eternal life. And that's like lived out. So we don't just do hospitality. Oh yeah, we got a great folks. And hey, how you doing? How's your day? Where are you going for lunch? I'm so glad you're here. Hey, that's good. But the deeper truth is, man, people matter to God. You matter to God. He wants you to know Jesus. So, as Jesus Church, we want you to know that Jesus is Lord. That's what it's about. So then no matter what you've done... No matter what sin you've indulged in, no matter what sin you've lived in, you matter to God. And through Jesus, you can receive salvation when you repent and your heart is renewed and regenerated and you can come to the knowledge of truth. No matter what you've done, no matter what sin, no no matter how bad it's been, and I know for a lot of you it has been bad. I know for a lot of you it is bad now. You matter to God. You matter to us. We want to honor you. No matter what you look like. No matter what you look like. And I'm not talking about like beauty queens and kings. I'm talking about, hey, no matter your skin color. Oh, he's like, there he goes, playing the race card. No, that's the reality card. You know what I'm saying? It's the reality card here. Sunday is still, most segregated day of the week. And we are not showing the church as what the church is to be. So we need some color up in here. Amen? Somebody say it. There you go. I know, Max, I knew you should give a shout on that. We need some color there because that is the church. That is a church. And again, not like, I'm not doing like race card. It's a reality card. And I want the church to be Jesus' church. I want people to see this church as Jesus' church. And I want our kids and our youth to see this church and know it as Jesus' church. So then no matter what you've done, no matter what you look like, no matter your status. Because there's brothers and sisters who might not come up in here. It's also segregated church in terms of status. And what I want is the church to be Jesus' church. So it's all peoples, all nations they come to see, find, meet, know, grow, learn, live Jesus. That's who we want to be. So we've got to give honor to all people. Not because it's politically correct. Not because we're making some point. Not because we're like, you know, got some agenda. No, because people matter to God. Point blank. Done. How is it lived out? This card. We, on the back side, it says we chase the creator, not creation. We chase the creator, not creation. And man, this is a toughie. I mean, let's get real. This is tough. We chase creation. I mean we chase create we chase the world. We chase the created world, the beautiful world God made. We chase created travel. We chase created toys, created trucks, created cars, created boats. We chase created jobs. We chase created positions. We chase created careers we chase created people, we chase created relationships, we chase created husbands, we chase created wives, we chase created kids, we chase created sex, we chase created art. We chase creation and we don't chase the creator, God, who is Jesus. Passage again, transfiguration. Jesus said, this is my son whom I love with him... I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then goes on. John 1. Love these verses. John 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Let me say that again. And instead of word, let me put Jesus, because that's what it is. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing has been made. Nothing was made that has been made. We spend our lives chasing created things... Jesus created everything, and we miss out on chasing Him. We miss out on chasing the Creator. How is that lived out here? I said this in the foyer. I'm going to say it again. You're going to hear it over and over again. Our worship team, God love them. This is one way. They pray through. They think through. They take very seriously leading us in worship. And they do a fantastic job. And so, you know, when we come here on a Sunday morning, what I want to take more seriously, what I want us to take more seriously, is we come here to chase the Creator. To chase the Creator. And as the worship team sings and praises and and plays their music, I mean, they are, what they are trying to do, what they are trying to pray through is, is and I know this because Chris and I talk about it, is that we want people to see God. We want people to chase God. And their hearts are not just about like jamming out. or Our hearts are not just some production. It is to help you come and experience something. And you may walk out here and say, man, I don't know what just happened, but like something happened. And it's the presence of the Creator by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so whether you 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 want to sit or whether you want to stand or whether you want to raise your hands... ...whether you weep, whether you come to the altar, it is about chasing the Creator. And saying, hey, I may chase creation, but at least, at least for one hour... ...or one hour and 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, at least I want to start chasing the Creator. And I want to start hearing... What he has to say through music, through the word, through sacrament. So it's not even as as like worship, but our entire service. As you can see today, we're changing up our service and we'll tweak it some more and change it some more. But what we're trying to do is help you chase the creator as Jesus by worship, by word, and by sacrament, communion or baptism. And then again, you go for me and say, man, something happened. And if there's resistance in your heart, I mean, if, I mean, if you're like, man, something didn't happen, and I'm like resisting that, rebelling that, well, then we might need to talk in the sense of there may be something in your life that is a barrier that the devil is working on, whether it's a relationship, whether it's thoughts. Because I can tell you, this whole service and these whole words, this communion... And worship and everything, man, they're prayed through. And we're saying, man, we want people to see God. We want Holy Spirit, man, you are here. Speak. We want to remove all barriers. The thing is, creation puts barriers in our life. And the devil uses creation to put barriers. So the creator, the creator, we can't hear him. And so we're doing everything we can, praying through it so that you can start chasing the creator. And the thing is... As we chase creation, as we chase creation, all those created things, man, we keep running. And I know we got some marathon runners in here, but it's like an endless cycle. We're going to go and we're going to keep chasing, keep chasing. We chase the Creator, He will meet us. He will meet us. And your chasing can end. And your running can end. And your desperation in chasing created things can end. And you can find God and find life in Jesus. And then the last thing, this last thought. We live and defend a bold faith. How does it manifest itself out if we're Jesus here at this church? We live and we defend a bold faith. Live and defend a bold faith. Let me say this. I love... We look at the passage about the transfiguration. And I've never seen this. You know, you've got, you've got Peter, James, and John. And they see Jesus in this totally different light. They see Moses. They see Elijah. They hear the voice of God booming out. And then the next passage, they go and there is a lack of faith. And it just like trips me out. Like, after you've seen this, dear Lord, could you have not had this faith that would bring healing, and that would rebuke this demon, and it just doesn't happen. And they're like, man, these disciples are losers, aren't they? I'm like, yeah, until they see Jesus, like really, as Lord, and then they're like, man, my life is turned around, sold out. They can't do it, and Jesus says, verse 20, he said, why could we not drive this demon out? And he says, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Say say again, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know, I, I get tired in my own life. I get tired seeing it in other folks' life. I get tired of weak faith. Weak faith. You know, I get tired of it is because Jesus said so much that we don't have to have weak faith and that we can defend bold faith. I mean, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Jesus said... You will do greater things when I leave. Jesus said, It is better that I go, that the Holy Spirit will be with you. I mean, that's something I can't... It's better for Jesus to go, so the Holy Spirit can be here. Jesus said, You're going to do greater things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Go and make disciples. Jesus said, You are going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, The ruler of this world, Satan, is going to be cast out. We can defend a bold faith, and man, we can say, Satan... In our life, go to hell. Can you say it right now? Satan, he's working on Go to hell. Satan, go to hell. Praise Jesus. Somebody said it. Because it's been done through Christ. It has been done through Christ. It has been done through Christ. And it can be done in your life by Christ. So we can defend a bold faith. You know, the best defense... Because I know we got some good defenders, and I've seen good defenders. The best defense is to live, is to live a bold faith. And this is tougher. This is is far tougher. Because, you know, we can say, hey, i got this scripture, and you can throw it out just like I threw it out, and you know, know what Jesus said, but to live it, to live a bold faith. When you lose your job, to live a bold faith. When you're going through the wreck of a divorce, to live a bold faith. When you lose a loved one to death, parent, spouse, child, to live a bold faith, that's a bold faith. And we can do it in Christ. Many of you know and have uh, um, have mourned the loss of a coach and a mentor here, Scott Branning. And, and I have to share this story because to me it speaks so much of bold faith. So I was at the visitation Thursday night. So I'm going through the line, thousands there, lives that he touched. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through and there's his mom and there's his dad and, you know, I usually have some words to say. I don't really know what to say. Come through uh, and his dad, good man, fine man, great man, Never forget this. He hugged and said, Mr. Branding, you know, so sorry. Couldn't really get much out. And he said, and this is bold faith. He said, I, I, I just want us to see what there is that we can learn from this. What God is trying to teach us. I was like, man, you know, your son, your child's in a casket and you're saying, you know, What can God teach me through this? It's bold faith. It's bold faith. I want that faith. I want you to have that faith. I want you to have the faith that God can heal. God will heal. And if he doesn't, it's going to be to his glory. And that's that kind of faith. Still to his glory. What can we learn from it? What's God saying to us? What's God speaking into our life? So with relationships, with sickness, with death, God can do miracles to this day. God will do miracles to this day. And if he doesn't, man, it's to his glory. That faith. I want us to have bold faith as individuals. That type of faith. I want us to have bold faith as a church. I mean, as a church, bold faith. When I say reboot, restart, I want us to restart with a bold faith that, man, God can do. I mean, the things that I've said from this pulpit, four things that I will say again. God can do, and I believe that. And I want you to believe that. People talk about, hey, it's a church, God's blessed us. Hey, but we're here at JA, we need a place. Look, God can fill this place by the power of His Holy Spirit. God can get us the next building that we need to go to, that He wants us out. God can do that. God will do that. Bold faith. Believing. Bold faith. Hey, God's going to change lives here. God may change your life today. God may be wanting to change your life right now. God may want to change lives through groups. God may want to send you. God may want to send you here in Jackson. God may want to send you to Honduras. we got two teams going to Honduras. i got a bold faith. Seventy people are going to go. I don't want to say seventy because they max out at thirty-five each group. I want to see 70 people going. I want to see people say, man, God is at work here because he is at work here. So people are saying, man, sign me up. You know, it's not about just like setting up to to set up. No, it's about Jesus is here and this is Jesus' church. We're not just being the church. We're being Jesus to help others know Jesus. And so we offer Jesus and we do whatever we can with that set up or family or what we call hospitality. We're offering people Christ in every way. That bold faith that if we offer Christ... ...people are going to receive Christ. And not on us, but through the power of the Holy Spirit... ...through words, through actions, through relationships. I mean, I want you to have bold faith... ...in your individual life, in your family life... ...in your church life. You know why? Because God says it. And to live it. And let God in Christ crush the barriers... ...in our hearts and in our minds and our thoughts... ...that man, Jesus can... He will, and if he does it, it is still, it is still to his glory. Amen? Amen. See how we can defend it. We can live it. A bold faith because it's said in his word. I know it by the power of his spirit. And you know, and here's the deal. As I, was, as I close, I'd invite you. Invites you. Invitation. This is an invitation. Invitation happens every week. The invitation is know Jesus Christ as Lord. Because for a lot of us, what has happened in the past, and this happened to me at a young age, is you know we come to the altar, we do that, we're saved and everything. Then we maybe transgress or we forget and we live a life. And now there's so many people who I know say, "Hey, I've, I've done the song and dance. I've got Christ in my heart." But my challenge to you and my invitation to you, and this is the same if you have never received Christ, and this is my invitation to those of you who have received Christ, is to receive him and accept him as Lord and Savior. Cuz if that happens, then everything changes. Then life changes. And he's CEO. He's top of the org chart. And everything else trickles down from there. And to be totally honest, and I'm not God, so I certainly don't know who spends eternity in heaven or who spends it in hell, but quite honestly, I think so many people have accepted or received Jesus so what they can get, as in like life in heaven, versus giving their entire life to Christ. I had a conversation with a a young man this week who was thinking about baptism, praying about it, and I prayed with him. And I know God's working on him, and I know he will and everything, but I told him, I said, I don't really want to be clear about what's going on here. With baptism, you're saying, I'm giving my life to Christ. I was like, whoa, that's heavy stuff. I was like, yeah. This is real deal stuff. That's how I see baptism. That's how I see f- salvation. is. It's not for what we can get, I mean, we're going to get eternity with salvation in Christ, but ultimately we give our life away. That's what it's about. And we make him Lord of our life. And my concern for so many people, I mean, my honest concern is that so many people in this area, not, not just say in this church, but in the church too, but in this area, they say, I've done a song and dance, and they don't know Christ as Lord. They haven't made him Lord. And what I don't want to happen is them to get to heaven, and Jesus says he did in Scripture, I never knew you. Like no Lord, I, I prayed. I did. All, no, I never knew you. Because Lord of your life is you, and it has him in Christ. My invitation is the same week after week. Make Jesus Lord of your life today. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I want people to make you Lord because you are Lord. You are truth you are the word made flesh you are the creator of the universe you are king of all eternity I want us to see you as that I want us to know you as that I want us to fall on our face before you I want us to say that you can and you will and if for some chance you don't in this life it's still to your glory because you're Lord and that permeate and infiltrate and transform and bleed out from our life which you've given us Jesus we have so much to be thankful for here we have life we have relationships we have family we have health we have means we have a place we have your church we have so much to give you thanks dear Lord let us make you Lord As the Baptist said, as John the Baptist said, more of you, less of me. More of you, less of Bellwether. More of you, less of any individual. Work on us, dear Lord. Change us. Baptize and renew and regenerate our hearts by the blood of Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name, amen.